Where Nobody Knows Your Name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm John. And I'm James. On the ball there, we're reviewing episode 18, which is a no contest. Aired on 17th of February, 1983. Way back when. And uh, we've got Heidi Perlman again writing, which again is quite a nice thing. Keep it in the family. Yes. Heidi Perlman writing... James Burroughs directing. As always. Do you know what? The first episode when it's not James Burroughs... We're going to cry. I'm going to be very critical. <laughs> this should have been a Burroughs episode. I'll be looking at all the camera angles, all the, all the actors, everything. <laughs> That's not Ted Danson. <laughs> <laughs> should we talk about the cold open? One of the coldest of opens, I think. It's quite a cold atmosphere. Norm's a bit frosty. We've got Thomas Philip. Tip O'Neill. I had no idea what was going on, really. I, d- <laughs> I didn't really understand uh, the weight of it at the time when yeah. I watched it's a bit of politics, isn't it? Yeah, a bit of politics, but it's it's politics that's also like thirty years old. <laughs> so we can't we can't blame you for not really knowing what was going on. Tip O'Neill walks into Cheers because he's been pestered outside, and he's the Speaker of the United States House of Representatives for Boston. He sits down whilst Norm is in the bathroom, and Norm returns, and Cliff brings up politics quite a bit, yeah. and Norm slates Tip a bit, I think. Yeah, talking about the House of Representatives and just complaining about them. He has quite like a candid conversation with Tip, not realizing it's. That it is. Yeah. No, I'm a speaker of the House of Representatives. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> That'd make you Tip O'Neill and me a horse's butt. Which, again, I had no idea it was Tip. I, I was laughing along, oblivious. Oh. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I think, obviously, this is quite early in 83, but politics was entering the forefront again of people's minds. I thought it was quite interesting that so early in the show, they've actually already got, they already had some sports stars coming in. We've seen a couple of guest appearances, yeah. They've not been actively present. It's more being cameos, I suppose. Mm. But I thought this was quite interesting that so early on, a politician's kind of got the faith to put their image against it. Oh, yeah, the Speaker of the House of Representatives as well. Yeah. Quite a big deal. Mm. So I thought that was quite strange. Yeah. For lots of other programmes, especially early on, especially in season one, they're normally very well, particularly Cheers, which wasn't doing particularly well for season yeah. one. So I guess they must have identified that it was kind of the everyman's programme, which is potentially maybe an audience that it's hard to get viewership with in terms of politics. Get your message out there. I know you didn't really have a huge message in the call opening. Just, I'm Tim O'Neill. I'm a human being like me. That kind of leads us into the episode, No Contest, which is a competition. Yes, much like electoral campaigns. Mm. Mm. You can tell this is going to be a good episode. So, uh, in Cheers, they've got the privilege of hosting the 45th annual Boston Barmaid Contest. You know it's going to be good. Who could be uh, nominated? Could be up, well, I suppose it's between Carla and Diane. Do enlighten me, John. Who is it? Well, Carla says that they don't let pregos in. That's the so, term she uses, That's yes. the term she uses. Yes. That's my term. So, Diane is uh, in the running, nominated by Sam. Yes. Unwillingly. <laughs> Initially, Diane's upset to find out she's in the running and doesn't want to be part of it at all. She's very against it and then realises it's a platform where she could be vocally against it and then competes. Sells herself out a bit doesn't she in that respect? Yeah she swallows her pride and goes through round after round she was initially going to out the whole competition in the first round but then realises that if she wins she'll be on television where she'll have a much larger... They just keep throwing bribes at her don't they? It's not really bribes it's just like incentives for her to ruse them all Mm. further and to be honest if she did her speech in cheers it's all the people who already know her anyway so I don't know what they would have got out of that she's a human... Humanist? Human She's also uh, the voice of her generation. That she is. And she gives quite a powerful speech in the contest. I believe that that all of us have obstacles to overcome in life. And uh, in the final analysis, the, the true measure of greatness is the severity of obstacles one has had to overcome in order to achieve one's goals. 
I, um... I may not be the most attractive waitress here. I may not be the most talented. But I am a survivor. I didn't come here to lose. I came here to win. I will beat them all. I will beat any who come against me. And as God is my witness, I will never be hungry again. Beautiful. It's very powerful, like you say. It's got a lot of weight to it. It's a strange thing that she says at that point because she's kind of looking at the other contestants and she does go through a phase of trying to not imitate them, but Sam coaches her to pull her top down a bit and pout. And at one point she does try and do that. And she goes, I thought you said the judges weren't looking for sex and Sam goes, no, I am. Sleazy. Very sleazy. We're back Sle to sleazy, Sam. Sleazebag Sam, what they call him. Should we talk about the other guests yeah, other than Tip yeah. well Tessie Richard who played Bonnie mm. which I assume is one of the contestants played Sweet Sue in any which way you can and Mary on two episodes of Police Squad good old show Police Squad remember Police Squad no <laughs> you see Naked Gun uh, no but I know what Naked Gun is Naked Gun is the uh, movie version of Police Squad so they did about six episodes of Police Squad and then they let them do oh so two, two episodes of Police Squad is quite a lot a third of Police Squad does that make it a mini series? Perhaps. We had Sharon Peters as Jocelyn. She also played the uh, highly sought-after role of Dolly Parton lookalike in the movie Going Berserk. Paul Vaughan reappears as Paul. Oh, you got to say that. He's also in it. I think he's the one who um, has an argument with Cliff about the postal service. Quite a nice little back and forth. Again, it's the postal service is being contested for its validity and usefulness, and Cliff gets very... He's riled up. Oh, he's getting very irate. Watch your mouth. It was just a joke. Yeah. Well, don't you ever, repeat ever, joke about the U.S. Postal Service in front of me or any other mail carrier, all right? He, he didn't mean anything at all about it. Yeah, I'd like to see how fat and sassy he'd be without his daily mail, huh? Yeah. I'm sorry, Norman, just don't all came over me. That's okay, you had every right. Yeah, well, the post office is everybody's target. You know, but when they want to go to fast, huh? Who do they come to on their knees? Federal Express. He's mine! <laughs> Cliff was going to get in a fight there. Oh, he was. Pretty sure Norm held him back. We would have seen another wrestling meme. <laughs> Bob Arry played Judge Number 2, which, and only because I played it recently a bit, he was uh, the voice of Lee in Red Dead Redemption 2. Okay, that's fairly recent. Yeah, so he's still going. James Sherwood was Judge Number 3, and this was his only acting role, but he worked mainly in arts and props. So he was the greensman for Pumpkinhead, and the props assistant for He's My Girl. What's He's My Girl? Well, I thought you would ask because the plot is bizarre. Let me tell you. He's, if he's making props for it, I'm hoping there's good variety. He's my girl. Here we go. Brian and Reggie are best friends who are in the music business in Missouri. When Reggie enters Brian for a chance to go to LA, Brian wins the contest and wants to bring Reggie with him. However, Brian must bring a girl. In an effort to make sure Brian gets his shot, Reggie decides to pose as a girl. When the duo arrive in LA, both fall in love with two women, and they must stop the promoter of the contest when he steals Brian's song for his star, Simon Sledge. You did ask what He's My Girl was about. Yeah, but I'm not sure I really actually wanted to know. <laughs> it doesn't sound... It sounds bizarre. Yeah, I feel like it's a film I could have watched. I feel like it's like a Sunday ITV film. Do you know what I mean? Perhaps. Or it might be the uh, Hawkeyes thing. You know, just lots of sexual innuendo everywhere. Hawkeyes thing? Well, I'm not going to just go through 70s and 80s comedies and explain <laughs> the plots to you. Oh, well. We can tell these judges are reputable. You know? <laughs> almost the propsman for He's My Girl. <laughs> yeah. Which, all I'm going to say, sounds like the props are a wig. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe some instruments. So the themes in this episode, quite a few, there's a 
obviously sexism in terms of the whole nature of a best barmaid contest. Mm. Those artificial standards of beauty which those barmaids must uphold to mm. to fit the judge's strange decisions. But there's also politics with yeah. tip. Something that's important to highlight is everyone's telling her she needs to be doing what the other contestants mm. are doing. Ultimately she has her twitch comes back. She yes, does and coaxes it out of her, doesn't she? Yeah, she has the speech that we talked about earlier. Ultimately she wins because she was true to herself. So those kind of ideas about those values that make up a winner of the 45th annual Boston Barmaid contest, they're changing. It's what comes after, really, which is her morals get lost even more so. Yes, because they go, you win and you get a trip to Bermuda and Diane freaks out. Yeah, she goes crazy. She forgets all about her morals and her, this contest is awful and uh, screams. (laughs) (laughs) Screams with joy. One line quite at the end, which we saw a different side of Diane, because Sam was like, take me to Bermuda and she was like, don't be coy. Oh, all right, all right. I know what you're talking about. I know I've been making a lot of passes at you, but I swear you take me to Bermuda, I will be the perfect gentleman. You will? Cross my heart. Then forget it. Quite a nice line because it's an episode where the power's kind of been taken away from Diane quite a bit. She didn't enter into the competition. She didn't want to be in it. Through various stages, got coaxed into it. Yeah. She coaxed herself into it with the idea that she was going to make a political statement. Yeah. At the end of the day, she takes the power back as she leaves the bar and goes on holiday by herself. Lovely. Great time. Ah, I think think that's the mail, James. Oh, it's the door. Here we go. She gets some uh, trivia mail. I'll read the first one. So, who are the uh, contenders in the contest? Their names. Their names, yeah. Jocelyn. Yep. Bonnie. Yep. MC. No. MJ. No. Yvonne. Yvonne. Yeah. And Diane. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one died. Something. Uh, you know. The winner. The winner. Yeah. What is Carla's reaction to seeing Diane listed as one of the finalists? What statement does she say? Uh, don't know. She says that proves that there is no god. <laughs> When Diane gets up on stage to give her first uh, spiel about who she is, uh, what does she say? Does it sound like, I enjoy literature, philosophy, and I'm a humanist? My name is Diane Chambers, and I would like one day to be known as the voice of my generation. <laughs> you see, I am a humanist. And aren't we all? Good luck. Uh, and if you win, we'll be seeing you on AM Boston. Yeah, she gets cut right off. <laughs> Ushered away. Diane deduces that Sam entered her into the contest and says, you did this. Who does Sam claim, in response to this statement, entered Diane into the contest? Coach? No. Sam claims it was Wong Song Yu. Oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> that. After winning the competition, Diane receives quite a few gifts. Can you name three? Bermuda trip. Mm-hmm. Bouquet of flowers. Mm-hmm. A voucher or discount of some kind to... I've forgotten the name of the store, but it's a store discount. Yeah, she's got $200. Uh, but she got flowers, a crown, got a tiara, six months of free dry cleaning at the Ritz, a kitchen food processor, and $200 gift certificate, and a week-long vacation in Bermuda. No wonder she got excited. Yeah. There's a lot going on. In those days, you'd have to go on a game show to win all that. You would go on a game show and win less. You would win, you would, yeah, you'd just win Bermuda. <laughs> you'd get to the end and it'd be like, do you want your food processor and 200 pounds or risk it all for a chance to go to Bermuda and then you get nothing. <laughs> My final question, what, according to Cliff, is Miss Boston Barmaid Contest second to? To none. It's a good answer. Uh, second to Postal Service Awards. The Posties. Posties. <laughs> Am I right? Mail Carrier of the Year. Uh, posties. Posties. Same as the posties. Yeah, that's the colloquial term. 
It looks like we've come to the end of the episode, James. Last battles have called. Contest over. Who won? Hands down, Diane won. Yeah, for sure. Got the holiday, but she also got a little bit of pride back at the end as well. And most importantly, she won being herself, I guess. And that's the message we want to say here today. Just be yourself. Twitch that eye if you have to. Thank you for listening, everyone. This has been... Where Nobody Knows Your Name. Thank you.